Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Today we are continuing our sermon series, uh, Life and Death, Life and Death. I told you last week, I said, we should give more thought to the words that are coming out of our mouth. We we should give more thought. You say between seven and 20,000 words a day, and the Bible says your words hold the power of life and of death. So last week we built a foundation. I told you, listen, what you curse gets worse, what you praise, it prospers, right? You, you, You build your life through the power of your words. And so for the next three or four weeks, I just want to go over different areas where I think there's life or death. And so next week, we're going to take a look at the topic of sorry, sorry. And so how many of you are awful at apologizing here? I'll raise my hand. Reason I'm awful at apologizing is I'm very rarely ever wrong. And so (laughs) it just doesn't come natural to me. And so probably three or four times in the last 20 years of my marriage, I've been wrong. And so, uh, right? And so just the power of just joking. And so... The power of sorry, right? The power of sorry. The week after that, we're going to look at the, the power of life and death in our, in our gossip. Our gossip. Uh, people always want to study why the church in America is declining. And so this is like one of these studies. I'll go to pastors things. Why is the church in America declining? Uh, the Bible says that God's presence is drawn to unity, right? Where there's unity, he commands his blessing. You know what gossip does? It disunifies. You know what the church is experts in? Anybody know? Oh, now you don't want to talk, right? God, we're, we're, we are all experts, me, me, me as well. So what if, because we're not good at handling our gossip, we're actually pushing the power and the presence out of our churches uh, and, and, and missing out on what God wants to do? So we're going to talk about the power of controlling our tongue when it comes to, to gossip. The last week, I want to talk to you on the topic of appreciation, like the, the words of thank you, like saying thank you, man. And so today, uh, I want to talk to you on the topic of encouragement, encouragement. Here's what the Bible says about encouragement. First Thessalonians 5 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are in fact doing. What what, what is it? Encourage, what does it do? Anybody see what it does? Come on, you got to work with me. This This is my fun service. What does it do? Encourage it. Why? Why does it say that? Well, I don't, do we not live in a world that does what? Tears each other down. Like, here's why we look just like the world. The world specializes in tearing each other down. We critique, we review, we pull people down, we talk bad about people online, we talk bad about people to to other people, we we find what's wrong with them, we point out all the flaws, we criticize, we find the Bible, the spiritual gift of criticism, it's in there somewhere. We tear each other down, we find what's wrong with each other, we point out the flaws, we watch shows about this. We, we live in a world that tears each other down. So encouragement looks a lot like Jesus. It makes us look different than, than the world. What do you say? In your community, in your, in your circle, when you're hanging out with church people, if you want to look different than everybody else, be in the habit of encouraging each other and building each other up. Hebrews reiterates this. Hebrews 3, another letter in the Bible. It says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So here's the question. Are, are you good at that? I am not. 
Criticism comes much more natural to me. I don't know if it's because I'm from Philly. <laughs> Criticism, it just, it just flows right out of my spirit. Encouragement almost feels like it's, it, it makes me feel icky almost. Like it's like, well, I'll encourage you, but I want to make sure I tell you what's wrong with you first. <laughs> then I'll encourage you to change, right? <laughs> Encouragement. Encouragement is so important. Here's the question. If the people around you depend on your words of encouragement for nourishment to their souls, are they dying of malnutrition or are they thriving? It's a really good, write it down somewhere. If the people around me, if they, if they are literally being spiritually fed by my words of encouragement, my family, my spouse, my coworkers, the kids I coach, my coaches that coach me, the people who volunteer for sports, the referees, the people who wait on me, and when I go to a restaurant, uh, at my, my, my kid's teacher at school, the, the, the fact, like everything. If the people around me, if they need encouragement for their souls, if, it, if it's nutrition to their souls, are they dying from malnutrition or are they thriving? So the title of my message today is simple, build them up. In a world that is so quick to tear people down, my goal as a church is I want to be the place where people go when they need to be built back up. Or like we used to say all the time, I want our reputation to precede us. What do I want? I want, I want us to be a church that's generous. I want to be a church that, that, that serves the world. I, I, I want to be a church that shares the gospel. But I started thinking, what if we also became the church where when somebody has been torn down, beat up, you know, criticized, told what they can't do, they, they hear about this place where you can go, where, where they speak life and not death into you, where, where they see what God can do in you, not what you've already done yourself. Like, what if we built each other up instead of tearing each other down. I want to build, build each other up. Uh, in a world that is so quick, I started thinking about this in my, in my life. Has anybody ever, you, you, have, you have moments where you've received encouragement where it's, 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 it's like you can't forget it. It just sticks with you. Like I, I, have a, I have a coach. I can tell you his first and last name. He was my fourth grade baseball coach. I was in fourth grade. His name was Barry Flicker. In fact, my mom sent me a picture. He's still alive and living in Boyertown. And he, he sent a picture. He said, hey, I ran into Barry Flicker. I still remember his first and last name. I don't remember anybody else's name that has ever coached me, right? And so I remember Barry Flicker, fourth grade, and he was the first coach. I played Boyertown baseball. My dad didn't, didn't, didn't coach. And so if you don't know anything about Boyertown, it's, it's just different. And so he didn't coach. I didn't really know what I could do. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I never played before. And he spoke into my life. And I remember him saying, you're a good player and I want you on my team. I, I don't know why that stuck with me. I think it's because encouragement. I think your soul needs encouragement. A as a pastor, when you, when you do anything for God, and, and you know, I do this, this is my job, but anything you do, the Bible says, do it as if you're doing it for God and not man. So whatever you do, God's called you there, right? And so whatever you're doing, if you're doing something significant for God's kingdom, there's going to be moments where you're going to be discouraged. Anybody ever, there's going to be moments you want to quit. There's going to be moments that you don't think you can do it anymore. There's been people in my life since I've been a pastor that have spoken such dramatic amounts of influential encouragement in my life that I can't even get rid of the text. I need to keep them. Like, I need to go back from time to time and see them. There's this one guy uh, that, that, is, that is passed on now. He, he's, he's with Jesus, but uh, his name was Elliot Sr., Elliot Bennett Sr. And so his kids work for us now. Elliot usually is, is in Montgomeryville. You've seen him from time to time. He has a long, you know, sunshine hair. You know what I'm talking about? And so, you know what I'm talking about? And so... And uh, he has that long hair. And then Bella, his wife, you've heard Bella sing on, on, on the stage. And they have a little, little baby. And they have another little baby. And, and or he's two now almost. And so he's not really a little baby. And so, uh, but they, 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 you see them on the stage. 
her, her, his dad has been one of my biggest uh, voices of encouragement in my life over the last four years before, before he, he passed on. And uh, what, was, what was really neat is there was a season where he got so sick, couldn't come to church anymore. And so he would watch online and then I would step down off, off the stage after I would preach. And oftentimes once you do something like this, when you're done, you're just exhausted and you just want to go into a hole somewhere and cry. And so, and I would get on my phone and he would immediately, he'd be watching online, but he was really watching. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like God's watching you when you're watching online. You know what I'm saying? And so he would watch online and then he would text me and his words were so powerful. They would be such an encouragement. October, October 11, 2020 is one of the ones I kept. You guys remember 2020? It was awful. It was an awful time to be a pastor. Like there was some benefits because I'm an introvert. So when they said quarantine, no people, be by yourself, stay at home, watch TV, you know, I was like, this is amazing, right? And so, but pastoral wise, it was a very difficult season. Everybody was mad about everything, couldn't do anything, right? You didn't know if you should have church, shouldn't have church, what you're supposed to talk about, right? This is a really difficult season. Coming out of, of, of 2020 into October 2020, I was exhausted. And here's what he wrote in October 2020. I haven't been able to erase it. He says, he says, just want to thank you for your obedience, the way you model it before all of us at Journey. I appreciate the messages you share, the way you share, and the way you share them every Sunday. I have yet to not be moved to action when listening. He says this. I'll listen to the part. I, I, he says, you're a good man, Steve. Yeah. I just, I, I'm not telling you that because I want you to think that about me. But I'm glad somebody thinks that about me little encouragement like you walk off he's not my dad he has cancer he's at home sick and he's taking time to tell me hey i want to speak some you want to talk about outliving your life your physical life he's still making a difference in my life i still pull that out from time to time and remind myself somebody at some point thought i was a good man <laughs> october 18 2021 was one of his next messages to me i preached on shame that day it's a heavy it's a heavy topic here's what he texted me he says this is elliot senior i love that because that's such a typical dad thing to say right like i know it's in the text man your number's saved right just want to thank you for your messages this morning i grew up in the assemblies of god and listened to lots of preachers in my lifetime there have only been two that didn't make me feel like a piece of crap headed for hell jack mason is one which I'll talk to you about him in a second. You're the other. The truth you put on out there today was, was and is overwhelmingly freeing. You're loved and appreciated, Steve. His last text he ever sent me was in July 26, uh, 2021. He says, hey, Steve. Once again, I, okay. And so he said, I just wanted to thank you for the way you honored Pastor Mason in your meeting, your, your message yesterday. He was a pa my pastor from 1977 until just a few years ago when we came to Journey. He's been my spiritual mentor over the years, and I love that guy. What you said and how you said it was on point. He says, that said, I want to remind you that people feel the same way about you. You're a gifted preacher. Your ability to convey truth is, a, is in a for real way is life-changing and substantiated by the number of people giving their life to Christ. You have a soft spot for people, and it's obvious, though presented from a position of strength. I like that. America's pulpits need more preachers like you. Stay the course, Steve. I like this part. I read this part. He says, you're a straight-up champion. And then he reminds me, it's Elliot Sr. <laughs> I just can't get rid of him. Do you, do, you, do you know how much power is in encouragement? In fact, one writer said, you'll never know how significant a word of encouragement is in somebody's life. You'll never understand it. I started thinking about him because his story, his text, the reason I'm reading to you, the story of Elliot Sr. is even bigger. 
even, even bigger. And so Elliot Sr., he talked about Pastor Mason there. Elliot Sr. for years was, was a part of, of a church down the road, Spring City, called Grace Assembly of God, pastored by Pastor Mason. Pastor Mason, I used to see him. He's, he's, he's long retired now and, uh, and, and you know, he doesn't, he's not there anymore. But when I would see him at a pastor, pastor event when he was still pastor and, and I had just started, he would consistently come up to me. I, I, he used to say, hey, young man, I like that. He would say, hey, young man. He would say, I'm proud of you. He didn't even know me. Every time I saw him, he would give me a hug. I'm pr- proud of you. And so when we started this church in Phoenixville, this is why I'm bringing this back. When we started this church in Phoenixville, so we had a church in Limerick. I wanted to start a church in Phoenixville. This is where I felt like, you know, we were supposed to be next. We had no money. No, we had $7,000 in the bank. $7,000. We're going to start this church. We have no money, right? And so Pastor Mason finds out we want to start this church. We have a meeting with him at his church. Uh, what I found out is he wanted to start a church in Phoenixville. They had tried with another guy. didn't work. They had $40,000 sit in the bank, and they were thinking about giving it to Journey Church. So we had this meeting with them. I went into, the, into his, his elders meeting, deacon meeting one night, sat, sat down in this meeting, interviewed before him and these other gentlemen and this woman, asked us all these questions, decided to give us that, that, that money that, that night, and we started this church. So if you're a part of Phoenixville in any way, you're here because of Pastor Mason in, in Spring City. Right? And so here's what's, let me just tell you, let me tell you how it brings full circle. A few years later when we started the church, these young um, college kids came walking through our door at a Welcome to Church night event. Um, they walked through our door. I looked at them like, oh, they're, 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 that's a good-looking couple. We talked to them. They, they were going to Westchester. They were kind of dating, weren't, weren't dating yet, thinking about getting married. The whole thing was kind of weird. And so <laughs> ended up meeting them. His first name was Elliot. Her name was Bella. Began to come to church. Realized their last name was Bennett. A few weeks later, their father and mother, Elliot Sr., came to church. I began to talk to him. He began to explain to me that he was, you know, uh, used to go to Spring City. His last name was, was Bennett. And we talked for a while. He said, I was in leadership. And, and I said, were, were, you, were you there that night that, that you met me and you, you guys voted on giving the money to Journey Church? And he said, yeah, I was one of the voting members of that. Yeah, I was like, and now your kids are here. And they're a huge part of this church. You're, you're, I said, do you, do you know how significant of a part of your life and your encouragement has been to my life in this church? The, pa- the power of, of encouragement. Like, it, it's almost flooring me when I begin it because we so flip it with our words. And I want to make sure I, 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 I preach the right message because what I'm not doing is I'm not going to try to teach you how to be a, a, a complimentary person. You know what I'm talking about? An exaggerator. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a few weeks ago, I was at Sedona. We were eating lunch. It was just me and my wife. We're on a, you know, a, senior, a senior date, right, because you go in the middle of the afternoon. And so, <laughs> and so we're there, right? And, uh, and, 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 and then this woman walks in with her probably two-year-old kid and sits down beside us. And it's whatever. I don't have my kids with me, so I'm not really paying attention. And they're, they're, they're doing their thing. They're, she's waiting for her friend and, and, one of, one of, and one of their kids. And then an older couple sits right beside them. And I'm sitting there eating, you know, eating lunch, not paying attention. And I hear the older lady do this. Ah! So I looked up. So I'm like, something died, right? Like something... <laughs> And she said this to the lady. She said, you have the cutest baby I've ever seen. So I looked up because I was like, the cutest baby ever is here? And I like shot my head up. And I was like, where? I was like, that? No, that's not the cutest baby we've ever seen. You lying, right? 
And then she said this, your baby should be on a magazine, right? And I was just like, that is not what I'm talking about today. What I'm not talking about is us walking around and spiritually patting each other on the backside and telling us all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the power of encouragement. And I want to show you through scripture that encouragement has literally shaped the course of history in the church. Without the person that I'm going to talk about today in scripture, you know, I'm going to, he doesn't have a Bible story that we used to talk about. He doesn't have a book of the Bible that's named after him. He, he's not often taught about, like he's, he's, a, he's a pretty small character in the Bible. But without the person that I talk about today, me and you not here. If you are a Gentile, right, if you're Jewish nationality and descent, you might have met Jesus at some point through the gospel and the Jewish followers. But if you are a Gentile, you are not of Jewish descent, you're, you're like me, you're Dutch, right, or whatever you are, your, listen, your spiritual roots can be traced to this, this man I'm about to talk about, and it's all about the power of encouragement. In fact, his name means son of encouragement. So anybody ever hear the name Paul in church? Paul, Paul, the name Paul. Anybody? Come on, raise your hand if you heard the name Paul. So Paul, if you've never heard the name Paul, uh, Paul is synonymous with, with, with the church, right? Like he, he, uh, he was a church planner. Uh, if you read the Bible, let me just give you a little biblical history. So the Bible is not one book, not a 1600 page book or whatever it is. One book you read written by some dude in a cave somewhere, you know, tells you to wear special underwear. He wrote it once, he lost it, and then he wrote it again. This is, I'm just explaining Mormonism to you. This is, this is, you're like, this is silly. Take it up with your Mormon friends, right? And so like, that's, that's what they believe. They believe one guy wrote the book. He had this epiphany from God. He brought it, then he lost it. He had to go back, write it again you know, and then all the rest is history. That's not the Bible. It's not like it, the Bible was written over the course of 1600 years. I'm just going to explain the Bible. Uh, a course of 1600 years in three different languages on three different continents by 40 different authors. So it's not one guy, right? They're, they're o over a period of 1600 years. You have, you have uh, 36 books in the Old Testament, then 500 years of silence, and then 27 books in the New Testament. This is, and they're, 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 they're written, uh, inspired by the word of God, by the hands of man. It's a powerful, there's not a book like it in, in history, right? And in the New Testament, there's 27 books. 13 of the books in the New Testament written by the, this guy named Paul, right? And so Paul, he, he's a phenomenal preacher, church planner, author, like this crazy, you ever meet somebody and you're just, you're just impressed with their resume? This, this is Paul. So you guys know who Paul is. You tracking with me? Okay, Paul. Paul didn't start like that. It didn't start like that. I'll, I like to tell people this. Sometimes you see people in church and you, you know where they've been, but no one else knows where they've been and you want to blow the spot up. But not in a bad way, in a good way. You want people to know if God can change them, whew, if he can do it with them, your light work. Right? It's an easy thing for God. If he can do it with that, this is, this is the story of Paul. So Paul's original name in scripture is Saul. That's where, and we meet him in Acts chapter number, number 8. Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 8. Saul, when you first meet him, begins to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So here's how we meet Saul. You know him as the guy who planted churches, writes scripture, you know, disciples people, pre like all this stuff. When you meet him, he's literally dragging Christians out and killing them. He hates Jesus. 
We meet him again in Acts chapter 9. The Bible says Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, asked him for letters to go to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anybody there, he could arrest them, put them in prison, and put them on trial. So chapter 8, chapter 9, Paul, his name is Saul. He's a bad dude. You guys tracking with me? So Acts, Acts 9, everything changes. He's on the road to Damascus. I don't have time to read it. The Bible says that he's met with the bright light. He's blinded. It's the presence of Jesus. And Jesus, jokingly, it sounds almost like a joke, tells him, you are my chosen vessel that I want to, I want to tell people about me with to the Gentiles. I want to send you to the world to share my gospel. This guy. Right? Like this guy. The Bible says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. This is about as foolish as it gets, God. The guy that's murdering people. He just got done killing, being responsible for killing, stoning, stoning somebody, Stephen. And now you want him to go into the world and preach the, the, the gospel, right? And so he, he, here he is. He, he's saved. He begins to preach in Damascus. And he's like, you know what? I need to go back to Jerusalem. And I need to make sure the disciples know I'm one of them now, right? Like I'm part of them. Like I want to join the church. I want to be part of the club. So can you imagine the Christians are back in Jerusalem, Paul's left, he just got done killing Stephen, they had Stephen's funeral, he's gone off on a killing spree, all of a sudden he shows back up, they're in a room somewhere, they're having church, singing kumbaya, they hear the knock at the door, right, the little door slides, slides away like this, they look out, right, right, Peter looks at John, he's like, it's Saul, they close it up, right, they're like, don't let them in, right? Yeah, I'm just going to think about this. Let's just pretend we're all here. It's pretty, pretty nice in here. It's a little hot right now, in my opinion, but some of you think it's good. And so, uh, and we're all here having church. It, doors are locked. You can only get in here with the fob. There's some maniac out in Phoenixville going around killing Christians. We're having church, trying to sing our songs, just trying to read the Old Testament at this point, right? Trying to sing a couple Psalms, read a couple Proverbs, knock at the front door of the commons. We open it up. We got cameras out there. We look at it. It's the dude murdering people who wants to come in and wants to join the church. We like to think we're accepting people. <laughs> I'm not letting that dude in. This, this is the moment that everything else sits on. This moment right here. If Paul doesn't get into this group, I don't know what happens. They're hanging out in Jerusalem. They're singing Kumbaya. They're not talking to the Gentiles. They don't speak that language. They don't got that swag. They don't eat pig. Everybody else is eating bacon, right? They don't know what to do. They've been called to do something, but they don't have the background. They don't talk the right way. They don't have the same, the same situation. They don't think the right way. That's why he goes and gets the murdering zealot that's passionate. If he can just switch around that zealotness in him and use it for him, Paul will do some damage. So Paul shows up and they don't want to let him in. And here, here's where every, I'm going to tell you, encouragement changes everything in the Bible. They're not going to let him in, and we're introduced to this man named Barnabas. Anybody heard of the name Barnabas? Yeah. Last service, I was like, anybody hear the name Paul? Nobody put their arm up, right? And then all, I said Barnabas. Everybody tried to be a Bible theologian. I was like, you're lying, man. Put your arms down. You never heard of Barnabas. You thought that was like, like, a, like a seafood fast food restaurant, right, or something like that. Right, Barnabas. Barnabas is somebody you don't hear often about in church, but I'm telling you, no Barnabas, no Paul. No, no Barnabas, no Paul. The Bible says Paul comes. He wants to come in. The disciples won't let him. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples. You can see this, this, this total fear. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to meet him. He's been killing people, but I see something different in him. He goes out and he speaks to him. He comes back in and he tells him how Paul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So, 
Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. It took Barnabas to have a Paul. I'm telling you, every, every great person that does anything significant for the kingdom of God, that does anything significant with their life, always has a Barnabas. Always has somebody in their life that sees something in them before anybody else sees something in them. So let me just give you a few thoughts on Barnabas today. A few thoughts on what it looks like to be a godly encourager to other people. Just real quick. First thing a godly encourager does is a godly encourager spots potentiality. A godly encourager has this innate ability to spot potential, right? We are not a, a finished product. Did you know that? You're not, hopefully you're not a finished product. You're not perfect. Did you know that? You, 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 you are a work in progress. And here's what we do all the time with people. We look at them and we judge them as if they're a finished product while wanting the time in our own life to keep changing. Don't we do that? Sometimes we get mad at people for doing the same things. I do this with my kids sometimes. Like, why are you doing that? And then I think about my life, right? And I think about where I've been and the mistakes that I've made. And I, and I, I wonder to myself, why am I getting mad at them for making the same mistakes that I'm making in the same situation, but not giving them the time to learn? Not giving them the time to understand the gospel. And, and so I'm very impatient with people. A good encourager is super patient and able to see in somebody's life something they don't even see. Something they don't even know is there. That, that's what potential is. Potentiality, the definition, is the state or quality of having the capacity, the ability, or the potential to develop, achieve, or become something. I look at people and I see in them what they don't even see in themselves. And if you ask me about why Barnabas is so significant, this is his, this is his number one gift. Number one gift. They actually changed his name. His name was not Barnabas, right? The church said, you are so encouraging, we're going to rename you encourager. That's what, Barnabas means son of encouragement. I want, I want to show you, in almost every chapter of the book of Acts early on, he's making an making a, a entrance and being encouraging to, to the church. Acts chapter 4, they're started, they started from nothing. I want you, anybody ever start something from nothing in here? It's hard. You ever build something from nothing and then you're in the middle of it, you're like, why am I doing this? This is, this is dumb. It's so much easier just to do something that's already been done or join something that's already been done. So they start a church from nothing. They have no resources. They got no money. They got no processes. One time they picked a new disciple. They pick lots, right? Like they're, they, they have no, they're not even thinking stuff through. They're just figuring it out all, as they go. And so you got to imagine they're frustrated. They're worn out. They're tired. They don't really have the ideas. They've never been there before. So they don't really know what to do next. And, 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 and Barnabas shows up on the scene, Acts, Acts chapter 4. And the, this is how the Bible introduces Barnabas. The Bible says, that Barnabas goes and sells a field, right? Takes the money from the field. That's, that, that represents his future, his career, his inheritance, his retirement, and his comfort. He takes the field, takes all the money from the sale of the field, and places it at the apostles' feet and says, I'm in. Guys that have no, they don't have buildings, resources, structure. He says, I, listen, I know this is crazy, but I see something in the future of this company. I want to invest in it encouragement. A few, few chapters later, Acts chapter 11, the Bible says that the church had spread from Jerusalem to Antioch. By the way, you know why the church went to Antioch? Paul was killing people, so they ran. They end up in Antioch, right? They begin to start a church. It's the first place where they refer to people that go to church as Christians. Did you know that Jesus, that wasn't his correct like, term? He wasn't like, I want to start something, and I want you to refer to yourself as Christians. That's not how it went, right? 
They, they called themselves Christians in Antioch, but not they personally. The people in the city said, these people act so much like Jesus, like Jesus Christ, we're going to call them Christians. In other words, the sermon in the side note is the people outside of the church should speak more highly of you than the people inside the church. Those are Christians. And so the church starts, and they're like, man, they probably need some encouragement. They probably need somebody to see potential. They probably need somebody to build them up. You know who they sell? They don't send the best preacher. They don't send the person with the most money because he don't got any because he sold the field. They send the encourager. He goes, and he encourages, and he builds them up. A few chapters later, Paul's getting ready to leave on a missionary journey. Paul sees something in a man named John Mark, his relative. He says, hey, Paul, I think he would be a great asset in your missionary journey. You should send. I see something in this young man. He was constantly seeing potential in other people's lives. There is nothing more, more powerful than somebody seeing something. In fact, I would say like this. Everybody needs someone who believes in them. Everyone needs someone who believes in them. Someone who sees more talent and ability within you than you even see in yourself. In fact, there's this old song we used to sing. I was a children's pastor before. And so uh, we had this, these really famous cartoons called VeggieTales. You guys remember those? Dumbest cartoons ever, right? Right? But we had, that's all we could watch. That we could watch VeggieTales. And, and so we did VeggieTales, watch VeggieTales. In VeggieTales, there was this song that they sang that I actually think was older because I remember from when I was a kid. And it was taught to me uh, because somebody wanted to know, wanted me to know I have potential. And the song was simple. It was, I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise. So cheesy. With a capital P. I am a great big bundle of love. I love this word potentiality, see how that preaches with me, potentiality, and I have not been able to forget it. You, you are a person that has potential. God can do something significant through your life. Somebody who encourages, they easily spot potentiality in, in their life. Number two is this. This, one, this one's important. Uh, number two, speaks truthfully. Now, I wanna, can I teach you for a second? I want to teach you. I made you laugh when I said that baby wasn't the cutest baby in the world. You were offended, some of you. You were like, can't say that. But I, I just want to tell you, there's a difference between encouragement and flattery. Encouragement is biblical. Flattery is preached against. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we're told to not let our words be full of flattery. Watch what the Bible says, Proverbs 29. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. So like, let me, let me give you one. You ever have a kid and you tell them, you're the best in the world. You're the best. If you believe it, you can achieve it. You ever say that? There's some stuff they're never going to achieve, even if they believe it. If your, belief, your kid believes they're a dinosaur, they're not going to be a dinosaur. In our world, maybe, but that's probably not going to happen. It's just not the way it is. There was things I was, I was like, if I believe it, I can achieve it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dunk a basketball someday. It's not going to happen. Never, right? You're going to work hard. I worked as hard. I got these stupid shoes that had this sole in the front. I walked around college like I had something stuck up my backside for two semesters like this everywhere. But I believe it, I can achieve it. That's flattery, right? If you, if you, you're the best player. You ever tell you, you're the best player on your team. You're the best player. You ever, you ever do that to somebody? Sets them up for failure? You're a princess of what? We're American. What? There's nothing to it. You're the prettiest bride I ever saw. Are you guys tracking with me or am I, is this too much? You're the 
best looking. This is the, this is, oh my gosh, this is the best hamburger I've ever had, right? We just say, we just flippantly say things. The Bible says that's flattery. The Bible says stay away. Watch what it says in Romans 16. I'll give you another, another verse so you know I'm not making it up. The Bible says, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ. For such people, what do they do? Their own appetites are serving. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. There's another, there's another powerful book in the Bible. If you ever want to, you know, uh, go through a super emotional book, read through the book of Job. Job. Uh, Job is a book where a guy has everything, loses it all, right? Gets tested by God, goes through the testing, and is, is given it back plus plus more at the end of his life. It is a really hard book of the Bible to read. We want to read it, but we don't want to live it. Anybody else? Like, I, I don't want that to happen in, in, in my life. One of the worst parts of Job is when he's going through the worst parts of his life, he has friends around him that are awful. They just keep saying stuff to him. They're not helpful at all. But his one friend, Elihu, he says this to him at one point. He says, listen, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to tell you. But here's what I'm going to do. In in Job 32, he said, I'm not going to show you partiality, nor will I flatter anyone. I'm going to be as truthful with you. I'm going to be as truthful with you as I can. For if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. This is not, they're different. Encouragement and flattery are different. Let me give you, let me, let me just teach you. The intent, the intent of encouragement is motivated by genuine care and support for the person's well-being and growth. Flattery is, is often has a self-serving motive seeking to gain favor, manipulate others by offering insincere and, and, and excessive praise. The honesty, encouragement is rooted in honesty and authenticity. This is why it's so much like Jesus. Flattery, it involves exaggeration, insincere, sincerity and empty praise without any basis at all. The depth of encouragement is different than the depth of flattery. Encouragement often goes beyond superficial compliments and extends to providing specific feedback. That's the problem. When you say you're the best ever or you're a princess, that's very, a princess of what? Uh, uh, encouragement is different. It's very specific. Let me speak to you on this, right? Flattery tends to be superficial and lack any type of substance. And here's the, here's the worst part, longevity. The, there's a difference. Uh, encouragement has a lasting impact on somebody's growth and development. It fosters self-belief, resilience, and a sense of purpose. That's why I can still tell you moments where people have encouraged me and it stayed with me. Flattery, on the other hand, is short-lived and tends to fade when its insincerity or ulterior motive becomes evident. You ever have somebody flatter you, but they wanted something? You first start a church. That's like pretty much every conversation. You just start judging. Like, what do you, what do you want? What do you, what do you want? No, you just know, right? And so flattery versus encouragement. So here, here's, here's what I started thinking to myself. Okay, if I'm going to start being a better encourager with my kids, with my wife, with my coworkers, with, with people I coach, what, what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to encourage only from the truth of God's word. So let me just give you two passages that the Lord laid on my heart just as we close this out. Uh, two passages that I want to read to you and then I want you to find words of specific encouragement in your life. Galatians 5. This is where the Bible says, here's how you know God is living and moving in your life. He calls it the fruit of the Spirit. He says, love, joy, peace, 
forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is such a law. So what if the next time, I have, I have, three, I have three boys. They, they lose their temper from time to time. They're impatient. They, they're irrational. They throw things. They hit things. Like they're, they're boys, right? What if the next time God's working in one of their lives, or when this starts happening, eventually, hopefully, this starts happening. And so, and one of them's working. And I walk into a situation where typically one of them will get violent and physical and pick something up and throw it or scream. Instead, I walk into a situation where the one brother is trying to get the other brother to react and the other brother is just sitting there with a little thing around his head, a little angel thing, and he's just relaxed and he's calm and he has his security in Christ and his value in Christ and he even picks something up, thinks about throwing it, says a prayer and places it back down. What if I caught him in that act and this never happened in my house, right, Dad? What if I caught him in that act and I just said, hey, man, I can see, I can see the patience, the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit, the patience in your life. I, I can see God, I, I see God work, I see that potential, man. Man, if you can get that in your life where people don't get to rile you up and you stay centered on the truth of God's word, man, there's no stopping you. What if I did that instead of just flippantly speak, hey, nice shirt, it's a great haircut. Encouragement. Uh, another one I, thought, I started thinking about, the Bible talks about the, the gifts that God gives us as believers. So we're one body in Romans 12, one body, but the Bible says we have different gifts. The Bible says if you have the gift of prophesying, prophesy. The gift of serving, then serve. The gift of teaching, then teach. It goes on, gift of encouragement, encouragement, giving, give generously, lead, lead, gives all the things. What if, what, if, what if we just started, instead of uh, just flippantly, hey, that's a great shirt, that's a great hat, you look really handsome today, that's a cool sunglasses. What if we started encouraging from there? Last service, I, I, I talked, I, I started thinking about different people in the church, and I could do this probably for a long time, but Anthony Makarski was sitting right in front of me, and he's in my notes, and so it wasn't because he was sitting right in front of me that I was buttering him up, and so, but he's not here anymore, so I'm, I'm going to still talk about him, and so, but Anthony came to church, I don't know, three, four years ago, I don't know how long it's been, and when he came to church, he was dating De this girl named Devin, um, and they weren't, they weren't married yet, and she wanted to start coming to church, and he grew up Catholic, and my first conversation with Anthony was, uh, yeah, I'm here, support Devin, this is her thing, I love her, and I want to be here for her, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and then they kind of started coming to church, and you know, they, uh, they start, she started following the Lord and he kind of, he wasn't dragging his feet, but he was kind of just behind her all the time. In fact, uh, I remember I was like, they should get married. And he was kind of trying to figure what that look, looked like because he's not coming to a Catholic church, but his parents are very heavily Catholic. And how's he going to do that? And, you know, Devin, Devin was like, I want to get married here. And eventually they ended up get, getting married here. And over the last year of, of, of church, I've watched this young man who was uh, just kind of here for the ride and not really that passionate about what was going on and really Really, I would say maybe had a very, very low level service relationship with Jesus Christ. I've watched him take steps of obedience and uh, begin to follow, follow God. And my, the coolest part is over the last year and a half, he's began to serve, I think, in, on the security team. I don't know how long it's been. And he wears you know, one of those black security t-shirts. And I've watched him absolutely take the job so serious, like he's protecting your kids getting paid $100,000 a year to do it. And, 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 and what was cool is uh, two weeks ago, they have, we play softball. And so we have two softball teams. You know how sports get really ridiculously important, but they're not important, especially church softball. And so, but like you get serious. And so Anthony's the captain of, of journey number two, and he was here and their game was supposed to be at two, but he served all day that day. And so he said, I called the other coach and I said, we got to postpone the game a little bit because I got to fulfill my serve obligations before I get to, 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 to softball. I just thought to myself, who are you? Like who, who? We block out for a slight cloud in the sky, right? 
And like, you're, you're here. And I just, I just, I, I told him, I just want to encourage you because I see the gift. He's not here right now, but he was the gift of serving in his life. I see, I see the gift of, watch him walk around, encouragement. Like, I, I see that. What if we just started doing that with each other? You see stuff in somebody's life biblically, and you, 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 you begin to recognize it. So you speak truthfully with some substance. And let me just give you one more, number three. Uh, you speak truthfully, we'll end right here, and you share thoughtfully. Now, here's the thing. How many times, myself included, do you hear a word or a sermon, and you leave, and you just kind of go on with your life? I'm not asking you to say this, because this will hurt my feelings if you answer that. But we all do it, right? Like, it's just, it's just the way it is. You, you have the information, but the information leads to no transformation, right? Like, it, let, let me ask you this. How many of you know, you can respond to this, how many of you know uh, through study and education you should eat healthy and exercise frequently? Anybody know that? How many of you exercise this week? Don't put your hand up, right? <laughs> exercise, yeah, right? <laughs> Looking around, criticizing, right? Put your hand down, right? Yeah, I understand. Most, most, a lot of us, I mean, probably didn't. We didn't eat healthy. We ate cupcake yesterday, right? So we'll run it off today, right? Running into church because you're late doesn't count. And so, right? We know those things, but just because we know them, they don't do. Like, so here's the thing. You learn all this stuff in church, but it's, it's so unnatural, some of it, and, and so different than the way you live, that if you don't start doing, doing it right away, it's just going to kind of go, and you're going to hear another sermon next week. Your, your theology needs some thought behind it. That's, that's like, they need some, need some action behind it. And so years ago, I watched a sermon on encouragement by a pastor named Craig Rochelle, and he had this one line that has stuck with me. Because he said, encouragement is not natural. You're not just going to do it. You got to take the practical steps. And so he, he said this, and he said, if you see something good, say it. I love that. See it, say it. And so I want to teach you a couple more today that I just want to stick with you, right? First one, see something, say it. Second one, second one, catch it, call it out. Not in a critical way, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I, I can tell you, a few, few, few years ago, we were at a, a restaurant, and there was like this, this, this teenage boy. He was probably 15, 16 years old working, which is rare, right? And so he was working. He was working hard, like hard, like, like super nice, like talking. Like, you ever meet a teenager, you're like, can you come hang out with my teenagers and just be respectful and just talking to adults like he was mature beyond his years and and I just I told my wife I'm like man the world needs more kids like that like he he's he's a great young man and she was like you should say something I was like what so I remember I walked over I was I'm awkward with it I'm like yo man my wife Mamie come on I'm sure and I just told him I said man I just I just want to man I, I'm a pastor and so I'm you know I'm, uh, my job is people and so I, I preach to people and talk to people and believe in people and I just want you to I, want, I don't know where you're from who you are or what you do but I, w- I want you to know I see a lot of potential in you you keep doing what you're doing here and you're going to be successful in any area of your life keep going young man and you could feel the I don't know this dude's weird right this is kind of weird but okay so you listen you you catch you catch it call it out think, here's one think it text it because some of you let's be honest you are keyboard warriors you can talk a lot more behind, behind a computer than you can to some face-to-face. So I know some of you, it's awkward. So just start there. Let God use it for good. You think something, send somebody a text. I'm telling you, these texts still on my phone. I still go back to them from time to time. Listen, witness it. I'm going to take it one step farther. Witness it, write it out. There is nothing more powerful than a note of encouragement. I always want to do this. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start writing thank you notes and encouragement notes. And then I start, my hand hurts. 
You know what I'm talking about? And I'll just be like, yo, let's just, you know, let's just send an email, send a text. Can I voice text this, right? Then it comes through all messed up. Then I got a text again. That was a voice text. You, you know what I mean, right? And so, and I'm saying, there's nothing more powerful than say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this out. What, what if, what if this entire church embraced the spirit of encouragement? What if we encourage, what if you're a mom and you encourage other, other young moms? Not with that stupid stuff. Your kid is so cute. Your kid is so cute. Your kid's cuter. No, my kid, no, come on now. Is cute biblical? I don't know. I don't know if that's a good goal or not. Handsome? Jesus said, the Bible says of Jesus that he wasn't that good looking. He was despised and rejected by men. Paul, he was all beat up when he died. Both of them did some pretty significant things. Is cute and handsome and pretty, is that a good goal? Or maybe you speak to the value of what they're doing. Maybe you speak to the value of the, you encourage the kids. Maybe you encourage the, the young. Could you imagine moms encouraging moms? Hey, I'm an older mom. I just want you to tell you, you're doing a great job. You're handling those kids well. Man, this, I, man I've been there before. I've been, I just want you to understand. It's crazy. It's like 15 years of crazy. You're going to be okay, though. What if, what if business owners encourage other business owners? What if pastors encourage other pastors? What, 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 if, what if teammates encourage other, other teams? What if you had a team you coach that was, that was built on the power of encouragement? Just encourage. What, what would happen? We would all rise. You build people up instead of tearing each other. And so I want to start here. I want this, this, this is another goal. We have goals for our church, a goal. We are going to be a community of encouragement. We're going to build each other up instead of tearing other people down. And when somebody's, they're going through life, because life is hard. They're going through difficulty. When, when they've been torn down, they're going to think to themselves, I need to go to that place that, that people call journey, that place that exists for those not yet here, because at that place, I heard they see things in people that I can't even see in myself. And they help people reach their full potential. They encourage. They build up, not tear down. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want, here's what I want you to do. Uh, last week, I gave you a little bit of an assignment when your heads are bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to think of one person right now, one person, and I want you to fi find your thing. So some of you didn't take notes. You didn't see it. So I'll tell you it again. See it, say it. Catch it, call it out. Think it, text it. Witness it, write it. I want you to find your one person, and I want you to handle it today. Not, not tomorrow. Here's the problem. Here, the reason that we're not good at encouragement, I'm reading a book right now. The book I'm reading says 95% of our thoughts are about ourselves. 95% of every thought that we think is about us, right? The Bible says if it's all about you, it can't be about Jesus. He, he must, for him to increase, you must decrease. You know, great, 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 if you want him to be greater, you must become less, right? And so I'm telling you, the more you encourage other people, the more you, you give that out, the, the more, I told you last week, the more you praise, the more you'll prosper. I think the more you encourage, the more you'll prosper. I think it just begins to change your life, right? What you send out, you attract. What you reap, you, 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 you sow. And you always, you, or, or, or you sow, you reap. And you always reap more than you, than you sow. And so, man, I just want to build in you. And whatever it is, whoever it is, I want you to think about it. Whatever, I, I'm going to go do it right now. I'm gonna, before I go to lunch, before I go on to, to my day, before I relax, before I take time off, man, all that's important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a text. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a note. I'm going to mail it. I'm going to call that relative. I, I'm going to be a person of encouragement. Some of you have a kid. And man, you, you can think, think about this, parents. How often in your day do you spend your entire day correcting and have very little words of encouragement? But I'm thinking about my own life. It feels like all I do is correct. 
over and over and over again. And correction is, is important. But if all you're ever doing is correcting, your, your kid has no investment in their spiritual bank. They need some encouragement. They need somebody to come along and, and, and have empathy with them and see where they're at and remember what it was like. Encouragement. Got the person? See them in your head? Know what you're going to do? So when I say amen, your action steps, go do it. Right away. Maybe, maybe you're standing by the person you're going to encourage. Just, just pull off to the side of the road. Don't do it while you're driving. Sit in the car. Go somewhere private. Go to lunch. No conversation. The things you have to fix. Come on. You do that all the time. Just an opportunity to speak life of encouragement. Whatever it is. We're going to be people that build each other up, not tear each other down. And maybe as I close this, this day, um, when I speak of that word potential, that word is, uh, that's a powerful word. I'm telling you, that, that guy that said he saw something in me, it, it, it literally, it has never, ever left me. And I just want you to hear it. Sometimes people come to church and uh, they're confused by what God can and cannot do and what God does and does not like and who God is and is not for and you, you come into this place and you just assume you're here but you're an outsider and you know your, your life is so messed up and you've done so many things and you know your potential is very limited because of your past and because of your shame and because of your mistakes and I mean, that's why I love the story of Paul because if God can use Paul it's like God is saying listen if I can change this guy's life if I can pull the potential out of his life, if I can bring good from his life, if I can use him to, to change this world for my glory and build my kingdom, if I can do that for him, I can do that with anyone. There's godly potential resting in your life right now. There's good. There's purpose. There's power. There's gifts. Some of you are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's gifts that God has placed inside of you that you don't even know are there because he's been waiting for you to experience him. And I just need you to understand. I know that song was cheesy, but I hope it stuck with you. I'm a possibility. I got a potential in my life. I want you to hear that message. I want you to hear it clear. There's a God that loves you. There's a God that cares for you. There's a God that stopped at nothing to get to you. He gave up, the Bible says, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus sacrificed his life on that cross for you. The Bible says that he was placed in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose in power. He defeated both death, sin, and hell. He finished the work for you. Religion says, hey, keep cleaning yourself up, and maybe God will take you. Jesus said, I already cleaned the mess up. I already did the work. I'll take you just like you are. God's not done with you. Your life's not over. Your story is still being written. Your future can be better than your past. If you would say yes to Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him. So here's what I want you to do. I want to close in prayer. Some of you, you already know Christ. You have that, that person. You're going to pray. You're going to act, right? But some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't even understand what that means. That's, that, let me just, that's something you do by faith. You don't work towards Jesus. You just say, you know what? I'm done running. I'm done trying to do this on my own. I'm done trying to be my own boss. I'm done trying to figure out my own purpose, have my own direction. Jesus Christ, today, I'm going to give my life to you. And the Bible says, when you say yes to Jesus by faith, he comes in and he begins to do a work you can never do on your own. 
He heals, he comforts, he sets free, he redeems, he restores, he loves, he gives grace, he brings, some of you, you've never had joy in your life before, you've, you've always ran after happiness, happiness is situational, Joy's found in Christ. Real strength, real fulfillment, they're all found in Jesus, that's why I love it. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you come into this place, whatever you're struggling with, the answer is always Jesus. It's only ever gonna be Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I can't do this on my own anymore. Today, I'm going to make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. The Bible says, you make that decision. You say yes to him. He'll, he'll come into your life right now. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you the opportunity. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's got their own stuff. We're all work in progress. Remember I said that God's, God's working in our lives. He starts here. This is where he starts. First step is me making sure that my life is, is in his hands, that I'm following him, that I'm pursuing him, that I've said yes to him. And so if that's you, you don't know Jesus Christ, but you need to. All over our houses, Montgomery Rail and in Phoenixville, I don't know Jesus Christ but I need to. I want to pray with you as we close. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. If that's you all over our house, there's nobody looking around. You say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. Come on. No shame, no condemnation, no fear, a little bit of courage all over this house. You say, that's me. Would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven? Say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. There's hands here. There's hands over here. Is there anybody else? I don't know Jesus Christ but I need to. I need his forgiveness, his healing, his wholeness, his mercy. If you're in Montgomeryville, we're going to wait right here for you to respond. They're going to let me know all over our house. Would you begin to pray with me? Would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus Christ, today I give you my life. I'm tired of doing it on my own. So come into my heart. Heal me, forgive me, and make me whole. From this day forward, I'm a brand new person because of you, Jesus. And Lord, as we celebrate that, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, uh, we, we commit to you, Lord. Um, we are people of action. That's what we do here. We're not, we don't just hear the word, sing a couple songs, spend an hour in your presence and go away. That's not how we do it. Lord, we want to be all that you've called us to be. And so every week we come into church, and Lord, you change us by your presence, and you call us to action. And so Lord, this week we are going to commit to become people of encouragement. Lord, this church is going to be known to build people up. We're going to build moms and dads and teenagers and kids. We're going to build people up. We're going to build up school teachers and athletic coaches. We're going to build people up. God, we're going to build up. We're going to build up the addicts. We're going to build people up. We're not going to tear people down. We're going to build up those who are struggling. We're not going to tear people down. Lord, we're not going to throw rocks at people when they're down. We're going to build people up. That, that statement is going to be with us. Our words are going to be filled with encouragement. God, we're going to see potential in people. We're going to see things they don't even see in themselves. Lord, there's people in this room right now that you see things in them they don't even know that are there. And Lord, through this culture that you're creating, as we encourage one another, things are going to be brought out of our life that we didn't even know we had inside of us. Lord, you're going to build your church. Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you continue to do in this church. When we leave this place, Lord, help us to represent you in everything we think, say, and do. In Jesus' name we pray all over this house. Would you shout amen and clap with me? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, 
Visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.